0: I always like to take a walk through Uptown and see what's changed and take in the beauty of it. Uh, Usually starting uh, with a walk up, slant walk, uh, seeing the campus and then taking a walk through Uptown. I would, I will probably never come to campus without getting a bagel uh, from Bagel & Deli.
1: Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick and I'm the Dean of the Farmer School of Business here at Miami University. Today, I'm joined by Justin Shepard, who graduated with a B.S. in accounting and finance some years ago. Hi, Justin. So, thank you so much for agreeing to participate in this Beyond High Street podcast. So during the podcast, I'm going to weave through a range of topics, your your, your journey, your reflections, personal anecdotes along the way, and we'll just see how the conversation goes and where it takes us. But I think the most important question is why did you choose Pharma? Why Miami? Why Pharma?
0: Great. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for having me here today and thank you for everything you've done for university and for the Pharma School. Really enjoyed having the opportunity to be part of the team that's greeted you here uh, and worked with you uh, in obviously more difficult times than usual. Uh, So thank you for that. And again, thank you for having me. And how I found myself to Miami and the pharma school in particular. First, I was looking when I was doing my college search, as you said, back many years ago, uh, back in the late eighties, when I was doing my search, I was really focused on looking for a school that had an immersive opportunity, uh, a town that was dedicated to the school, uh, one that had a great reputation for academic rigor, one where I knew it would be challenging, but also intellectually stimulating. I was looking for a school that would be fun, that would have a town that was devoted to the university. And I was looking for a school that could prepare me for the future uh, when I went there, I, to, when I ended up going to Miami University, I wasn't initially in the farmer school and quickly saw that that was an area where I felt I could put myself in a best position to learn and prepare myself for the future. Uh, so it was a bit of a winding road to get there, uh, but I'm so thankful that I did.
1: I love that. And thank you for the um, the welcome too. And I always think with an organization, I think we're defined by how we bring people into an organization and the grace with which we allow people to exit. And so for me, the welcome has been phenomenal. And I I, I know we, we, I'll put a timestamp on this video. We are recording during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> And and these are pretty unusual times to to be running a school and, and be in isolation. So so, but certainly, I had a great welcome. Yes. Thing. So so, tell me, what were you doing before you came across the road, if you will, to the farmer school?
0: Um, I had started in the uh, liberal arts school. I was. Uh, it was an interesting transition where I uh, started liberal arts and was doing an economics. Major in the liberal arts school, Um, and obviously there's great overlap with the economics major in the finance in the uh, farmer school, uh, which was not yet then the farmer school. uh, But decided at that point I should really understand where the different students were coming from in these courses um, and the different curriculums that were there. And as I investigated further, I thought, oh, really, a lot of my interest lies in the business school in a number of those courses. And eventually, you know, I made that move to the business school and then eventually decided that actually my, uh, my area of highest interest was more on the uh, analytical side and finance and accounting. And that ended up being my double major. So like I said, it was a bit of a bit of a progression, but really that's what's, that's what university is for. And that's what the education process is, is to take a journey and find your way and, uh, land in an area of the highest interest uh, that can propel you hopefully to the greatest education possible.
1: I know we're not 20 when we joined university, but I came across the term the trying 20s. Yeah. And I think it's really apt because I think it's the time of our life that we just try different things and we figure out where we land. So, so you talked about the journey through pharma. I'm really intrigued to know more about what you did when you graduated and the journey that you've been on since grad- graduating.
0: Certainly, it's been actually a uh, long and certain ways short journey as well uh, over this time. Uh, uh, somewhat unique in that I have spent, spent the vast majority of my career with one firm, uh, and often, particularly now, uh, that is relatively rare. Uh, but after graduating uh, from, I grew up in Cleveland, and after graduating from Miami, I uh, found my way to Chicago, uh, ended up getting a job that uh, was relatively short-lived at a firm called Information Resources, publicly traded firm, uh, great organization here in in Chicago, but founded a little bit large um, and was recruited over to a firm called Harris Associates at the time in an operational role, uh, classic investment manager, uh, managed uh, equities for clients as well as a series of mutual funds. Uh, Very quickly, I saw that there was a posting for a very small group in the corner uh, that was focused on, on hedge fund investing. Um, and at the time the group was about five people and they were looking for someone to be a bit of a Jack of all trades, uh, building spreadsheets for the research group, working on marketing, really anything that needed to be happening uh, all the way to, to filing uh, the research. And I applied for that internal transfer, uh, and, uh, re- received an offer, moved over and then spent really the next 20 years there. Um, In that time, again, having never heard of hedge funds at the time, uh, the hedge fund industry really grew and blossomed. And we, as a fund of hedge funds, uh, our sub-industry within it also did well, and we did well within that sub-industry. And that allowed us to have a lot of nice growth, eventually spinning out and becoming our own standalone firm, Aurora Investment Management, and growing from that initial where I was the sixth person uh, to over 130 people at our peak. Uh, and really uh, enjoying strong asset growth um, and affording me the opportunity to move up in the organization as we grew, uh, taking a number of battlefield promotions at the time as we built out the research team, becoming the head of research, um, and then ultimately becoming one of the managing partners of the firm and the chief investment officer, and really enjoying one, my passion for investing, and then two, also having the great experience of being able to be part of a growing firm and making all those decisions that need to happen along the way, and uh, understanding uh, the human dynamic, um, and how you have to evolve as a as a participant in a larger firm versus a small firm when you're a leader, from being a great doer to an allocator and uh, and overseer and delegator of responsibilities.
1: I want to just dig in a little bit to what you've said, because what's really interesting behind the story is this issue of small companies and large companies. And when graduates and current students are listening to this podcast, there's always this pressure, perhaps, to join a, a big company, a large brand that we all know in the market. And yet what you described, by being in that corner office in a smaller company and working with it as it grew, provided immense opportunities so can you talk a little bit about career strategy and, and what advice you might give uh, students, especially who might be listening to this podcast?
0: Right. I would definitely give them the, the first advice I would always give is to be open-minded, uh, understand all of the options that are out there. Um, obviously in a larger company, there's a more clearly and defined path. Um, and you have greater visibility into what the path of success looks like and how you can move up in the organization and potential uh, pivots along the way that you can make from that base. Uh, whereas in a smaller organization and something that really appealed to me and somewhat just, I fortuitously found myself in, uh, you have less understanding of what the future would look like, will look like. And that can be a bit discomforting, uh, at times because you're, uh, At certain times, winging it, and at certain times, uh, the decision-making process isn't as clear, um, and you cannot say exactly what success looks like five years from now as a young person in this firm. But you also have the opportunity, I think, to recruit more general responsibility, and that responsibility, I think, goes uh, both up and down. Um, There's a lot of interesting things that come from it, but also. The need and necessity to do some of the less interesting things and really to work uh, all ends of whatever that small company is doing. And to me, that's really rewarding. You learn a ton. There's a lot of sweat equity uh, that you build up by having the opportunity to do that. And further, you know, as a, you know, as a 23-year-old person at the time, it was, you know, that is a time to. Take a little more risk if you are so inclined uh, and see what's out there and take a little different path.
1: One of the things we often talk about our Miami graduates, we talk, you know, what is the secret sauce? And we ask ourselves the question, what is it? And I think one thing I hear quite often is our graduates are business builders. Even within large organizations, they end up being business builders. And I think you've demonstrated that in your own career as well. Thank you. So I want to move on. So I hear you're currently running for public office, Justin. <laughs> so so in full disclosure, you live in the city of Wilmette, I believe, in northern Chicago. I did look it up. A city of about 27,000. The last time we spoke, you were out on the campaign trail putting signs in the front yards and having to work work the circuit a little bit to, to block and tackle vote, voters one by one. But I'd love to hear more about your campaign and why you chose to run in the first place.
0: Ah. Uh- Great, well, I appreciate that question. appreciate the opportunity to, to speak about it. Um, generally, I you know always enjoy the opportunity to get involved in public service. Um, so over the years, I've had the opportunity to num- do a number of things on the philanthropic side. Um, I've had the opportunity to be the chairman of the board for the Cancer Wellness Center, an organization uh, a couple uh, suburbs over in Northbrook, Illinois, that does great work uh, in terms of helping people through the uh, social and mental journey of a cancer diagnosis themselves or in the family. Um, I've had the opportunity through the Chartered Financial Analyst Program, the CFA Society of Chicago, to get involved and teach financial literacy within the Chicago public schools. And I've been afforded a number of different opportunities like that and it's been always to me very rewarding, uh, finding things where either uh, my expertise or personal story lends me to have a passion for the project that's in front of me. Um, But I never really had an opportunity to get involved at the civic level uh, in a political way and living in a suburb like Wilmette, uh, it's really easy just to take everything for granted. Uh, it's a wonderful place to live. Uh, the services are great. It's a beautiful community uh, and it has a warm base of residence. Uh, but once I started paying attention to all of the hard work that had to happen to make those previously mentioned list of things true, uh, I got really interested uh, and learned about the incredible village staff we have here from the police department to the fire department, to the municipal services, to what's happening at Village Hall. And then learn that it's a volunteer group of people that really help drive what is happening in the village. And from the six person village board volunteer to the village president, volunteer position to a number of commissions and initiatives uh, across the village. And I felt, well, if. If I don't get involved and looking, you know, part of it is looking at the political world that existed for the last five years and seeing one that doesn't reflect, you know, the rancor that's out there, the uh, uh, unhappiness by a number of people, um, not reflecting what I'd like to see in the world, how can I make a small change and getting involved uh, at a local level, I thought was a way to do that. Um, And I thought about this a few years back and began the education process and then two years ago, I realized if I wanted to get serious about this, I needed to get more experience. So I took an appointed role uh, within Walmart on its plan commission, learned how information is presented in a uh, small government uh, format, learned how information makes its way through and decisions are made, and learned about a lot of the people who are involved in that process. Um, and that led me to today, uh, out and running a campaign. And... Uh, running for office and uh, at an April 6th election. Um, And, you know, maybe this will be the next question, but it's been an absolutely uh, phenomenal experience. A lot of hard work, uh, but I've gotten to meet so many people around the village uh, and so many people who uh, care about our future um, and how we prepare for it and learned about so many issues that I didn't know about in terms of how to properly run uh, the village and hope I can be a part of uh, maintaining uh, what is a very special place.
1: I well, it's great that you're doing it. And it's not, to your point, it's not just this role with WillMet but yeah. it's also the other volunteering work you've done. And I always pause and reflect about leadership. And I think one of the, defining characteristics of a good leader it's not what you do to society but it's what you do for society and I think that you're a great role model for others just to really pay attention to our contribution and I think it's important so now let's wind the clock back back to Miami back to when you were a student um, I'm curious to know who was your favorite professor when you were here and would, is there one
0: I would say you know lots of great professors uh, obviously as there are today um, I would say the one that stood out to me the most, uh, and unfortunately he he passed away a few years back, was Professor Bruce Olson, uh, who taught uh, I don't remember the exact name of the course but it was really an introduction to fixed income, and it really uh, one opened my eyes just to how you do analysis, how the world works, uh, and kind of to 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 date us. Um, The cool technology was us all going into his office uh, to look at the Bloomberg terminal he had on his desk uh, and crowding around him and him showing us uh, how it works. And that being a uh, a totally new experience for me and understanding uh, how to do analysis and the tools that were were, were coming down the pike. Um, So I would say he was probably, he was also a very entertaining professor, very entertaining teacher. Uh, and a good person and a good person to use as a role model for how to how to uh how to teach
1: so i'm not going to get you to call out your least favorite professor but we'll just stay with least favorite course what was your least favorite course
0: and why um i would say my least favorite course the one that was the most challenging to which i had to work and was unexpected was unexpected of the challenges in front of me, but actually learned a lot. It was the only uh, uh, difficult or unappealing part was it, about it was that uh, I did not know what I didn't know, but it was the geology of national parks. And I remember uh, really having to learn a lot and going into the course, thinking that um, it would be more of a tourist type course in terms of just understanding national parks and how beautiful they are but this really got deep into the geology as, as it was appropriately named um, and the rock formations and I had uh, to really put on my thinking cap and spend a lot of time uh, working on that and uh, understanding it uh, so that was a Uh, one of the more humbling courses for me uh, to get through.
1: (laughs) I wasn't, I'm always surprised at the answer. I never know what I'm going to get as an answer to that question. So it was about geology. Good. So one of the things I love about the Farmer School is just how many co-curricular activities we have on offer for our students. So talk to me about the activities that you were involved in when you were a student.
0: Sure. Um, A couple of things. And to be honest with you, I wish I had been involved in more. Um, And I'm also very impressed with the amount of activities that are continually created um, and that are available to the students today. Um, But the ones I was most involved in, I I belonged to a fraternity um, and had a number of positions in regards to that. Uh, First, I was involved in terms of being the house manager, uh, keeping the uh, house tip-top shape, which is not an easy thing to do in a fraternity. Uh, I was also uh, the treasurer of the fraternity which was uh, very rewarding uh, and taught me a bit about business and how to manage the fundamental operational side. Um, Through my course of time in Miami, I also wrote a few articles for the uh, fraternal newsletter that went out across the whole Greek system, which was fun. Um, And a couple of times had the opportunity to go into the uh, Talawanda schools and do some uh, mentoring there, uh, which I had uh, done more of that but when I did it was a very rewarding uh, thing to do.
1: Have you been back to go go inside the fraternity house you lived in?
0: Uh, I, I you know fortunately uh, being a part of the Business Advisory Council and working with you and the staff there has allowed me the opportunity to get to Oxford much more than I had prior to joining the Business Advisory Council so the fraternity had a total redo um, in terms of its structure and its beautiful and I've had an opportunity to see that. Um, but it's really been a lot of fun for me to pre-COVID get to the campus uh, twice a year. Uh, whereas I went a number of years, post a couple years after graduation where I had a pretty good gap uh, uh, before getting back and getting involved. And what's happened with the campus is just phenomenal in terms of some of the buildings that are brand new, uh, the Pharma School, uh, since I was there, uh, the new student center, and it's been uh, alongside some of the fraternity houses and other buildings that have gone up. It's wonderful to see the progress.
1: So when you come back to Oxford, what's on your bucket list of things you have to do each visitor? Is there a restaurant you have to go to, a bar you have to go, to a walk that you have to do?
0: Uh, Well, I I always like to take a walk through uptown and see what's changed and take in the beauty of it. Uh, Usually starting uh, with a walk up, slant walk, uh, seeing the campus and then taking a walk through uptown. I would, I will probably never come to campus without getting a bagel, uh, from Bagel and Deli. Uh, fortunately, one of my friends from college opened up, uh, a couple bagel shops here in Chicago, uh, that, uh, have similar style bagels. Uh, but it's always great to get one on campus. Um, and relive those times of, of, uh, having those late at night uh, before going to bed or what have you. Uh, Those are always, that's always the number one. And then skippers as well. So I guess just right next door there uh, having the opportunity to uh, relive some of the great times and meals from from there. And one other place I'll add is I, as uh, uh, I always try to, to, uh, uh, make some money when I had a chance. So as a delivery boy for Fan Shin, uh, I still enjoy it. it's redone since then. Uh, but that was my college job uh, for a year, and it's always fun to uh, to uh, see that, um, and if possible, get a mule there as well.
1: So what car did you drive when you did your de- deliveries?
0: It was a very old, old Honda Accord uh and it had trouble sometimes getting into top gear or into reverse which made deliveries at times a little bit challenging uh but it, it did get me through it and uh uh was a lot of uh it was actually I think a, a, a great experience having the opportunity to drive around and deliver uh, the food and see people and I think it was actually a one of the more lucrative jobs you could get on a part-time basis in Oxford. Uh, So I appreciated it um, and appreciated uh, the work ethic of the family that was running the restaurant. Uh, It was a lot of fun to be a part of.
1: I love that. So what's your most memorable personal experience while you're at at Oxford, Miami?
0: My most memorable personal experience, I would say it's probably some of the group work that was done in the classes. Um, I remember having to give a speech uh, with a number of, Uh, people from the class in terms of, and I don't remember what the speech was, but I remember it was one where we had to do, it was a group speech, which was a little different than what you usually uh, get involved in. And just spending the time understanding uh, how we would uh, present together, I thought was a really interesting group project. And it was a really, uh, uh, in general, it's always important, I think, to learn the skills of collaboration early on. And I remember that was one that took us a long time. We spent an hour uh, uh, presenting. And I thought that was a really rich experience just in terms of a, you know, one specific memory of working hard and having an outcome that uh, we were proud of at the time.
1: Do you remember what the project was about?
0: Um, it's, you know, I, I, it's escaping me at the moment, um, but I believe we were presenting on a business idea, um, but it was, uh, it, it escapes me a little bit at the moment.
1: Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so so I, I see that you now live in Chicago. What's your favorite thing to do in Chicago? Well,
0: there's so much that uh, we have to offer here. I'd say in normal times, uh, number one is obviously family time. We have two boys, uh, 11 and 13 year old, year old, years old. So spending time with them, uh, coaching youth sports um, has been a wonderful opportunity. And it's been fulfilling uh, to be able to be on the sidelines and working with the kids. Uh, I always enjoy that. Chicago is a great restaurant town. So it's always great to uh, take advantage of the the great culinary scene here in Chicago. And it's a great walking town. Um, It's a wonderful place to walk around uh, either downtown or around Wilmette or on the lakefront here. So having the opportunity to walk or jog to the lakefront. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So those are things I like to do in my, uh, in my free time.
1: So speaking of free time, I do have some questions around work-life balance and I think we all define it differently. So I'm, I'm going to ask my question in two parts. You know, When you think of work-life balance, what does it mean to you? And how do you strike some kind of balance?
0: Right. Um, in general, I think uh, as time's gone, On, it is become even more difficult to strike that balance because there's the opportunity for everybody to be always on. Uh, The work is always never further than your phone or iPad or what have you. Um, So I think it's really important to try and understand when you're on uh, and understand when you're taking part in different activities, be it family time, volunteer time, private time for yourself to recharge. And I think it's really important to differentiate between those. Um, And I think that is really the key. Um, And I think uh, another thing that is always important to consider in this aspect is making sure you like the work that you're doing uh, so that when you're doing it, um, it's really enjoyable. um, It's something you're happy to be doing. And it's something that uh, you have a passion for uh, that drives you.
1: I think you mentioned in one of our previous schools that you've got a COVID puppy, so quite a distraction. So tell me about the puppy.
0: Sure, it's it's, it's interesting. We uh, haven't had a pet in a number of years. Uh, My wife and I had a cat when uh, our boys were born. One of them uh, proved to be allergic, um, and we went many years without having uh, a pet in the house. Um, And we had been debating getting a puppy, and then after four months in COVID, uh, we realized, well, if we're ever going to do it now, is certainly the time. Um, and it's been a wonderful addition to the family. Uh, it's been great to see our boys uh, take some responsibility, uh, not, uh, wholly the responsibility, but some responsibility, um, in bringing in distraction. And it's been a, a wonderful thing for us. And I believe you also, uh, uh, I've welcomed a puppy to your family as well how's we, it going
1: to you? Well we have we've, we now have Guinness, he's a black and tan field spaniel, hence the name Guinness because he's black and tan he's four months old and He's an adorable distraction. He really is. I think listening to you speak about work-life balance, you know, that's the hardest thing I find is that work can go on and on and on 24-7 if you you let it be and we're working from home. So he's a welcome distraction, but I am up in the upstairs room with the door shut for a reason. Because he, he does bark a little bit from time to time. But, it, but to your point, we haven't had a, a pet for a little while, but, but a really good addition.
0: Yeah. It's great. And nothing like a, a, a dog walk to give you a time to decompress and uh, take your mind away from things. And it's really a oh. you know, oh. man's best friend for a reason.
1: Well, it is, as we're speaking, it's snowing outside. So, so dog walk some days. <laughs> yeah. So looking back, if you were to look back at any part of your time at Miami, what, if anything, would you have done differently?
0: I would say there's there's uh, really the big one. I w- we, we alluded to one earlier. I would have gotten involved in more of the co-curricular uh, activities and the experiential uh, uh, opportunities that existed. Uh, they really can be great educational processes. They can be great learning experiences. And I wish I'd taken more advantage of that. And uh, even bigger regret is something that the farmer school has done an incredible job of is promoting uh, international experiences for the students. Um, And that was not something that I took advantage of at the time and really regret it. Um, uh, I've never met a person who didn't, who doesn't speak incredibly highly of that experience, uh, both in terms of the social interactions and friendships that come out of it, but then the practical learning and the cultural learnings that come. And I'm so pleased that farmer has made that such a emphasis uh, and has had the ability to really integrate it into the experience. And with the take-up rate that exists today, it's uh, incredible. And the experiential opportunities that have been created within the school are also incredible opportunities, incredible experiences that the farmer students are able to take part in and I think are really uh, help make them the students they are when they graduate from Farmer. The tagline for Farmer is beyond ready. And I think those along with uh, the innovations that have been made over the last uh, few years in the core curriculum, uh, the first year integrated core have really uh, allowed the students to live up to that moniker. proud to see that happen.
1: I think, to your point, I think our global experience is phenomenal, and the, you know, 65% of our students participate in one, and I believe we're number two in the country among public undergrads, for the numbers of students who do participate in some kind of global experience. It's pretty stunning, it really is, yeah. yeah. So a, a couple, couple more questions, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, our friendship is, is largely because of your contribution to the Business Advisory Council, and you, know, you, you co-chair that council and, and you've been a tremendous support to me as I've come in. So I want to firstly thank you for that. But talk to me about why why did you get involved with the BAC and what are some of your proudest contributions to the school through that work?
0: Right. Um, the, the way I got involved, and I think it's, you know it resonates with what I said a few moments ago about the organizations I've been able to participate in on a philanthropic basis, is you get involved with things where, one, you have a passion for what the mission is and two, where you hope you can make a a positive impact and having benefited from my farmer education and understanding how important a good education is to your future success, obvious thing to say, um, when I was presented with the opportunity uh, over 10 years ago now to join the uh, Uh, Business Advisory Council was something I was really excited to do um, because it it gives us the opportunity as farmer grads to advise the administration on how they should think about current business and how they should think about their business. And it's really rewarding when on campus we see how incredible the students are and hear about the experiences they are having and hear about how the curriculum is at a really fast rate evolving uh, in terms of reacting to what's happening in the world. And for those reasons, it's been really rewarding. Uh, And I've really enjoyed the opportunity to see the ideas that we come up with uh, at the Business Advisory Council get taken Uh, seriously, uh, particularly by you and uh, by uh, the deans that preceded you uh, and to see the things that have been accomplished in the time that I've joined in terms of uh, the new business school being built um, and the evolution of the curriculum and the first year integrated core curriculum and those types of things that we were able to help uh, uh, give ideas for. It has been a, a wonderful experience and anytime you're down and out about something. If you have an opportunity to spend time with students um, and see what their outlook is on the world and to see what they're doing and to see just how worldly and impressive they are versus what I remember of myself uh, back many years ago, as you so kindly started this, uh, the conversation, it's been incredibly rewarding. Uh, and people who have the opportunity to get back to campus and get involved uh, particularly with Miami and the Pharma school, or whatever someone's alma mater might be, I highly suggest it because it's really, it's really all upside.
1: And, uh, two comments in response. I think you're absolutely right about if you ever need to have a pick me up, you just need to get around our students and 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 be inspired about our future. I think this, this is absolutely the case. And 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 a comment. I go right back to one of the early conversations that you and I had it was perhaps the first conversation and I remember you know I'm looking at the farmer school and it's an incredible school you know that it's a great school but I hold you You, you sit on my shoulder sometimes sometimes because you you, you you encourage me to always be bold and to, to pursue greatness and I think that was you know I, I remind myself of that because we are great but we always have to be pushing ourselves. And I think any business does. I think that was important, an important piece of advice.
0: Great. I'm glad you, I do remember that conversation. We talked about it being the North Star and uh, how right. important that is. And uh, I commend you for, uh, uh, you know, striving for that at the same time, uh, balancing what's been a difficult uh, entry into uh a new school in COVID times and balancing all of the tactical things that have to happen with not losing the eye of uh, the focus on continuing to move uh, school forward. And uh, that's been an uh, incredible balance to be able to see.
1: We're striking it somewhat. <laughs> so my final question, is there any other advice you'd like to give our students who might be listening to this podcast?
0: Um, I would, The advice is, I would say, first, while at Farmer, uh, take advantage of all the opportunities that present themselves. Um, It is just the best education that you can get if you um, really grab the opportunities, take them seriously and uh, learn from them. And then as you enter the business world, uh, always be known to be someone that helps uh, can fill in in taking additional responsibility, whatever that's needed in an organization. And then also is is willing to do whatever needs to get done uh, in terms of the grunt work of moving things forward and always thinking, how can I be helpful and how can I be effective and how can I uh, make sure that the organization is better for having me within it that day? Um, I think would be the two pieces of advice I would have.
1: I love that. It's great advice. So as we close, I want to thank you, Justin, for your gift of time to allow us to record this podcast. One defining characteristic of the Farmer School of Business is just how engaged our alumni are and how willing they are to continue to find ways to support the school, its students, faculty, staff, and other alumni. So thank you, Justin, and go well as you continue in your journey beyond High Street.
0: Thank you, Jenny. Thank you very much for having me.